Hey, women in medicine, it's time for another Dr. Me First. This is a podcast all about authentic conversation between us, female physicians. We're classy, sassy, and a little smart-assy at times, but overall, this is all about encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun in your life and in your practice. I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and coach in life. And this is episode number 17. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Liz McKinnon. She is a forensic pathology fellow, and her word today is balance. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And stick around for a little kick of encouragement where I talk about non-competes after the conversation. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Wiseman. I'm here with another special guest today. Her name is Dr. Liz McKinnon, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. Oh, hey guys. Um, so I am, um, I'm currently living in Muncie, Indiana, and I am uh, completing a fellowship in forensic pathology in uh, Dayton, Ohio. So it's a little bit of a commute for me right now. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I really enjoy what I do. And um, in, in pathology, all of our fellowships, uh, I think with the exception of one are a year long. So I'm only looking at maybe less than about nine months left of school. And I'm really excited to get my career um, started because I'm, I'm kind of in the infancy of it right now. You go, girl. You do have quite a commute from Muncie over yeah. in Ohio. I know me some Indiana geography, so <laughs> you get that. Yeah. All right, and today the word that you have picked is balance. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit why balance kind of stuck with you. So I think since I started, even even medical school, I've always been struggling to find a good balance between the ha- having, having the work done in medicine, but also having um, like an, a nice lifestyle because as, as physicians and especially as women physicians, we work really hard and um, sometimes it's nice to be able to come home and treat yourself, but you know, on a daily basis that might not always be possible. And so um, I'm always looking to find good weekend activities and things that I can enjoy um, and just making sure that I can have, uh, I, I can have my, my brain space as I call it. And so, you know, you, you, I, I, I spoke earlier of a, of, of a long commute. So I sort of fill that time with audiobooks, which I'm, I'm into, um, you know, when, when I was in residency, it was only 20 minutes. I was probably in the car maybe 20 minutes a day, and now I'm, a, I'm, I'm up to three hours a day. So um, it is a long time, but I've always enjoyed reading, and so I think audiobooks have been a nice way to help me uh, achieve um, the brain space. Man, you can definitely kill some chapters in that commute for sure. Yeah. I always find when I'm doing audiobooks, like I sit in my car just a few extra minutes, you know, like just to get the last yeah. little bit if it's yeah. not at a good stopping point. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not always a convenient stopping point. <laughs> no, exactly not. Well, going back to balance, and this is kind of a loaded question. Do you ever feel like you actually have balance? Like you have achieved balance? I... I feel like maybe sometimes in the beginning. So in the beginning of medical school, I had a healthy outlook and I said, okay, I can split my time between X, Y, and Z. And then you sort of get into the thick of it and you say, you know what? I don't need to, I don't need to play my guitar tonight. I really got to study for this pharmacology test. And so the same thing happened in residency. I started out kind of, stop. Um, I, I started out kind of um, uh, balanced. I, I decided to, to start doing yoga again and 
um, I wanted to, you know, ride my bike and I bought an exercise machine. But of course, by the end of residency, I'm just studying for boards constantly. Mm -hmm. And so I guess now as a fellow, the challenge for me is that since it's only a year long program, um, I'm I'm really trying to incorporate my, uh, my work with my now, I guess, adulthood. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the last year of of school. And so um, I, I, I'm still trying to achieve that, that balance, but, um, and it's, 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 it's definitely a little difficult, but um, I, I will say that I've got uh, more back into writing, which I've always liked to do. I, I, I wrote a couple novels before I uh, went to medical school. And so it's something I always wanted to keep doing. And so as a fellow, I've got a, a little bit more um, experience as a physician and to be able to write more medicine driven fiction novels. And so I've been, I've been trying to do that more. Are you published? Um, so I, I was self-published. I have, I have copyrights for my books. Um, I did recently take them down off the, off the, off the website. Um, but that was only because I'm, I'm trying to find, um, I'm finding, I'm trying to find a publisher now. That's awesome. Well, you're going to have to give us an update when these get out so that we can okay. support yeah. you. So, so what kind with your novels, what kind of fiction do you dabble in? Um, so my very first book was based on a dream that I had when I was about 16. And so it's sort of, uh, what I, I think what I, I, I kind of look back on is thinking epic romance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the story of, of three different couples and that they're all, they're all kind of telling the same intertwined story uh, that they're all kind of taking a piece of it from their point of view. And so, um, I, I just thought of it as kind of fun. I, I, I really like incorporating comedy in, in what I write because, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much into stand-up comedy, um, and, uh, funny TV shows and, and whatnot. Um, and so I, I try to do that. And then my second book was a little bit more medically driven, I, I'd say. Um, and uh, it's about a guitarist who's undergoing uh, a, a new radiation treatment for uh, a, a benign brain tumor that she has. And so during that, she's um, she's sort of um, looking around at the local music scene of the town she's in, and she discovers this amazing group of people. And and so I was I was able, you know, as um, I, I think I think I wrote that book the, the year before I went to medical school, and so now, kind of looking back, I realize I probably should have done my homework a little bit better. So the stories themselves may need second editions at some point, mm. um, but um, I, I definitely like incorporating medicine into in, into fiction um, oh, yeah. with, with 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 mainly women physicians as the center of the story. That's awesome. I mean, you know, medicine is such a huge core of our life. I could see we're definitely in your writing that that would be um, a big deal too. So I have a girl crush on Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm not going to lie. I, I love what she writes. I love recently just the stories she's been telling. I've been listening to a couple of her interviews on some different podcasts and Mm. she talks about um, inspiration really interesting. And I'm wondering if you as a writer, I just would love to hear your take on it. But when she talks about it, she talks about like inspiration comes knocking to you mm-hmm. and it's looking for the, the, the right vehicle, like the right human vehicle to tell its story. Mm-hmm. So when you had these um, ideas for your books, like how, what was inspiration to you? Was it similar to the experience that she describes or was it a yeah. bit different? Um, I, I really like um, writing about everyday people. And so one, one of the exercises I would do was just go out to a public place and just listen, <laughs> uh, see if, if I could pick up on interesting conversations that people were having. And when I was in college, yes, there was a certain su- subset of, of people I would listen to. And some of it would be, 
you know, very, very funny. There, there, there's definitely comedy that can be driven from everyday situations. And I, I gotta say, so, some of them were just bizarre. Um, but oh, really? oh, yeah, so I, I kept my little notebook and I said, oh, I, I think I'm going to talk about that at some point. And um, just sort of gathering those those um, those little experiences, um, but I also really love to read as well. And so, um, you know, you talk about Elizabeth Gilbert. I, I was always really influenced by um, by Janet Ivanovich, mm-hmm. um, yeah, who had some of some of the most subtle, funniest material. And uh, now that I've gotten really into auto um, like audio books, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn more, um, you know, books that, that have been published a, a, like like a little bit later. Um, so things that are a, a, a bit more recent and so some of them are just very witty and, um, very exciting to listen to. And so it's, uh, it's, it's definitely been an inspiration for me. I'll be honest. Really One on of my it. guilty pleasures is I love YA books, like young oh, adult yeah. books. I love jumping into that genre. Uh, there's some really good stuff in there. I know it's not oh. evidently for our group, but oh my goodness. Yeah. I hear your your fur baby. At least it's yeah. not my kids making noise today. <laughs> he must be barking at my cat. I don't know. They they, they tend to chase each other around. It's very cute. But it's no very worries. Cute. This is real life here. Okay, so we yeah. just roll with it. Yeah. That's amazing. So you use writing to balance. You mentioned a little bit about yoga and going back to my loaded question, I do a lot with people like they'll come to me and say they want better work-life balance. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I first like talk with them, I can't tell them there's no such thing, but I really feel like it's an ebb and flow of life that, but at some points at physicians, we've got to learn to turn the faucet off about giving, 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 and then also like receiving at some point and maybe not that balance just doesn't stay level forever and ever. I mean, it's a constant, like, you know, fluid movement up and down and taking forward. So that's what I was getting at when I answered that question. I think you answered it perfectly. Like there is a season, but I think so many times as female physicians, we just keep hammering forward, hammering forward. I mean, year after year after year, like you were saying, we go from through our training, through post, you know, postgrad fellowship, different jobs, taking on um, maybe administrative roles or you know different things like that. That then we we forget, like, whoa, we got to fill our own cup too, and that's perfectly yeah. normal and it's perfectly sustainable if we do that. Because otherwise, if you're pedal to the metal for years and years and years, oh my goodness, I've done that. <laughs> I know how that ended with a huge crash and burn. So um, what are some other ways or what are some things that you are seeing as a fellow to bring better balance into medicine? So uh, as, as I mentioned, I'm in, I'm in forensic pathology. And so it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's very much an esoteric specialty in, in the fact that I, I don't deal with living patients. And so um, a, a lot of the times my job um, deals with um, identifying patients or um, making sure that we can report back a cause of death to the family. And uh, it, it can definitely be stressful. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's also an environment where um, we rely a lot on our, on our, our, our technicians. And, and photographers, and so um, everybody sort of sort of develops their own way of of coping. I I, I guess, and um, so I I always I always try to bring it back to you know why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, and I, my biggest thing is that I really want to make sure that the decedent 
gets gets um, gets gets justice. You know, we we're, we're accurate in our in our reporting. Uh, we, we make sure that the other families can get the information they need, especially if the if the death is unexpected. And um, you know, getting to the root of the problem is is something that they can you know is it, it it's going to be the last diagnosis that person is going to have. Right. And so we, we want to make sure that that that, that information um, gets back to the right sources so they can they can have closure essentially. That's so huge. Like uh, just in your words, the final mm-hmm. diagnosis so that the family can understand the why as mm-hmm. well. And that's a huge thing, I think, for us in medicine. You know, why do we do what we do? Um, I, I know on a constant basis, that's one thing I'm always challenging people is to know your why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first we all kind of say, well, we want to help people. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Go deeper. What, yeah. what is behind that? And I love like you bringing in that forensic pathology where you're like mm-hmm. digging through, looking at things, mm-hmm. microscopic tissues that you're mm-hmm. looking for that small little plaque in the, you know, LAD. That's what got mm-hmm. them. That you guys are absolutely phenomenally amazing. I'm, I'm definitely gushing all over you because I yeah. think the job that you do, like you said, that final diagnosis, it's huge. And it's just, yeah. it's so meticulous. And I'm, like I said, gushing all over you for yeah. that. And it's, it's, it's very much a privilege. There's, um, you know, I, I think every, every specialty and every subspecialty has, has the uh, real meat of their job of, of what, of what they deal with. And we have medical students that, that come through their office and they've, they've never actually seen what, what, like an autopsy. And so they're, they're just fascinated with what I can, I can show them. And then they take that to back to their own respective fields. And so hopefully, hopefully that, that's something that helps them in, in their careers. You know, they're, they're if, if they're not going to be doing postmortem exams every day, um, at least they can take that knowledge of, wow, I, now I've actually seen a heart that has, that has plaque in it. And so I can, I, I can now go back to my patient and when I'm prescribing a medication, I can, I, I can understand why I'm prescribing that medication for them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really helps our patients as well. Um, and, uh, and our, our medical students for their future patients. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think we all can think back to memory, either it was the first time like in anatomy lab, you know, opening the bag for our cadaver, or I know in my medical school, we were required to do so many autopsies, but like Mm -hmm. having that dance with death, um, I think it's an important thing. Even going back to our word today with balance, I think it's an important to, to interact with death so that Mm -hmm. then we can also live more fully in life as well. And that's, yeah, it's very poignant. So well, thank you so much today, Dr. Liz. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do this? Um, so I, um, I, I have an email account, but I also have a Twitter account. So if somebody wants to contact me on social media, I'm, I'm um, at Awesome Topsy. So the word awesome and then T-O-P-S-Y. So awesome topsy. Um, and then I can, I can be reached by email. I, I, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to share that awesome. with you as well. We will put your Twitter handle in the show notes. That's so okay. amazing. Awesome topsy. Yeah. <laughs> you need a tattoo of that. That's hilarious. I do. Yeah, I do think that. Well, thank you so much. And we will have to do this again. Once or twice a year, I always take some time to clean out my space, be it somewhere in my home or my office or garage, or I just kind of once or twice a year just really feel the need to throw things away, go through things, you know, just general not being a pack rat anymore. And so I found this amazing blog that I wanted to read to you as I was going through um, some 
papers and folders and stuff. And so here, let me just tell you the backstory on it. So when I walked away from my family medicine practice, I had a big, nasty non-compete that I had to deal with. Of course, you know, in residency, they always tell you don't sign anything with a non-compete or try to negotiate out of it, blah, blah, blah. And so I gave a pretty sickly attempt to try to get out of this non-compete. But at the time, I just wanted to get a contract signed. I just wanted to be kind of done with the whole negotiation thing. So I went ahead and signed it. Retrospect, the 2020 vision, it was the stupidest thing to do. But live and learn, right? Okay. So flash forward now. Um, I have went through my 365 days. My non-compete is no longer valid. I am out of it. And I wrote this blog. So let me read it to you. It's entitled Non-Compete Countdown, Zero Days. Today is the day my one-year non-compete has expired. And yes, we are having a party. Let me rephrase that. I am throwing myself a backyard fiesta surrounded by friends and family to commemorate telling my old contract to suck it. Let me share the the letter I wrote to my non-compete. Non-compete. This is your official notice that today you no longer have any power in my life. I remember finding out about you when I received that employment contract. I had been warned against you and even asked to have you removed, but they said no, so I acknowledged your presence and signed up for you anyway. Little did I know what type of anguish, power, and turmoil you would bring to my life. But now, as I look back exactly one year ago from when your term started, you weren't as important as I felt you were. You were just words on a page placed in a document to control and scare me. Your paragraphs are a small fragment blacking out a whole huge spectrum of work that I can do in this world. The people behind you used your presence as a weapon to bully me and make me feel insignificant and trapped. So thanks for representing the last set of chains attaching to me, holding me back from the life well lived. You may not know it, but you helped me find the work that I truly am meant to do. Today, as I celebrate your expect your excuse me, as I celebrate your expiration, I will also be working with my state association to stop your colleagues from residing in the contracts of my colleagues. Because your clause hurt me, my patients, my colleagues, and healthcare as a whole. Bye-bye, Felicia Aaron Wiseman, DO. Don't let fear hold you in place. You were meant to be free. A non-compete is not a stumbling block. It's simply a challenge. And when have you ever let a challenge stop you before? Because I'm guessing never. So let's tackle this challenge head on, sister friend. I believe in you. If you want to talk about more about how I got around my non-compete, how to leave a job well, let's set up a time to talk. Check out the show notes for a link. Remember, no selling, no sleaze, just you and me talking as colleagues. Hey, thanks for joining me today. And remember, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.